We worship you, Lamb of God. We bless your name, Father, this morning. We rejoice once again before you. We come before your throne with a heart, O oh God, that is contrite. You said a contrite, a contrite heart, a broken spirit, you will not despise, you will not reject. Grace, once again, we have come to receive from you, Father. We approach your throne this morning because we know there is none other. There is none other to be connected to, to run to. We've come to your place, to your house, to your altar. We've come to commune with you. We've come to dine with you. We've come, Lord, yes, to have an intimacy with you. We've come to know you. We have come to seek your face. Once again, we proclaim that we are the generation of them that seek your face. That seek the face of the God of Jacob. Our hearts are open. We open this morning the windows of our heart, of our lives. Towards Jerusalem, even as we dwell in this place called Babylon we long for you once again only when you speak do we know what to say only when you speak do we know how to walk we wait on you this morning we wait for you this morning we depend on you this morning. Holy Spirit, you're the one who teaches us how to pray. You're the one who guides us into all truth. Bring us into the mysteries of the Father once again this morning. Show us the path of life. Guide us into the springs of life. We want to drink from your well. We want to drink from your spring. We want to drink from your river. A generation is questioned this morning. We come into you, Father. Jesus has shown to us a pattern of how to pray. And so once again we ask that as we wear this garment, this mindset, we ask, oh God, that your kingdom come, that your will be done. That as it is already established in heaven, that our life becomes the establishment of your intentions in the earth. That your will and purposes will find inroad and expressions in our lives and through our life. Once again, we cry out to you that we need you more than life itself. We need you more than the breath that we breathe. We need you more than the bread that we eat. We need you more than the clothes we wear. We need you more than life itself. You are our life. In your light, we see 
light. Christ, you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. And no one can come to the Father except they come through you. So we come this morning offering our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. For this is our reasonable duty and service. Once again, we declare that we do not conform to the ways of this world. The ways of humanism. The ways of capitalism. The ways of socialism. The ways of communism. The ways of religion. We do not conform. Mm -mm. We do not conform to the stanzas of men. We do not conform to the orders of men. We do not yield ourselves. We do not yield our minds or our faculty to the lies of the enemy, to the systems of Babylon. We do not bow to the mindset of slavery of Egypt. No. We are sons and daughters. Our position this morning is to have a standing before you so we can have a footing in the earth. We do not conform to this world, but rather we are transformed. So we thank you once again that as you engage the conditions of our heart in the place of transformation, we pray that our, our life will become a radiance. That there will be, oh God, a radiancy of your glory through our life. Yes, this is our desire this morning. We do not live in the lies of men. We do not live in the past. Our eyes are towards what is before us. Even as we align to your desire and intention for the day. We pray corporately, may your kingdom come. May your will be done. As it is done in heaven, let it be established. Every part of our being this morning, crying out to you, seeking a change, a conformity into your ways, into your will. Yesterday you engaged us from a position of we coming, surrendering to your will. We see this as as, as, as important principle, Lord. That we cannot pray effectively until our will is submitted, is surrender on the altar. So once again, we present our lives as a living sacrifice, not dead sacrifice. No, with our intelligence, with our creativity, with our sense of knowledge and wisdom, we bring ourselves like Isaac. We lay on the altar and we ask, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Have your way this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Friends, I want to welcome you this morning. If you have the opportunity to join me this morning, at least from this part of the world where in the morning, I know some people connect with us, all right, from different time zones. So I want to welcome everyone this morning to our School of Prayer with Christ. This is where we begin to deal with the issues of intimacy the issues of getting to know the lord the issues of developing you know congruence developing unity developing oneness yes with the lord this is what we do in this period in time prayer to us as we have been defining we will not stop defining prayer because i mean 
we cannot exhaust or at the the definition of prayer because prayer is coming into life and the more we press into him we have a better and a clearer understanding and insight into the ways of God into the will of God into the mind of God into the intentions of God so there are various aspects various expressions various dimensions okay oftentimes we see one aspect and we conclude that that must be what God is saying about prayer but prayer is life prayer is life prayer is like a stream is a river it's ever flowing and that's why we don't want to dwell all right in some stream that is no longer flowing we don't want to be a dead sea we want to be a living amen a, a, a living water a living spring we want to flow because we are flowing from somewhere so once again we want to proclaim and declare that the sovereign lord has given to us a well-instructed tongue isaiah 50 verse 4 to know the words that sustains the weary he awakens us morning by morning awakens our ears to listen like one that has been instructed the disciples they said to jesus in matthew 15 and i think it's also in luke uh, 11 they say teach us how to pray we get to be instructed as we come before the presence of god the presence of god is a place of instruction is a place where we learn where we grow where we develop yes the more we behold him as it were in the mirror of his word the scripture says we are being changed from glory to glory we are being changed from one dimension of glory to another so I pray this morning that even as we come before him in the understanding of his desire, in the understanding of his intention, in the understanding of amen, his requirement for this new day, all right, that we change. And that's what prayer is. Every time we approach God, amen, there is a new emphasis, amen, that the spirit of God inspires within our heart and then we utter out. Yes, I believe that is the most effective, effective way of praying. That God himself places within your heart, amen, his desire, his burden. That he tells you, amen, what is required, what you need, how to approach him. And that's why the ministry of the Holy Spirit has been given to us. The Holy Spirit, amen, has, has come to bring us into a place, amen, of clarity and understanding of the Father's intention. The Holy Spirit, amen, is the one who teaches us all things. It teaches us all things. The scripture says in the book of John 16, verse 12 and 13. John 16, 12 and 13. Jesus said, I still have many things to tell you or to teach you, to inform you. He said, but you cannot bear them now. You can't bear them now. There's so much I want to teach you. Friends, there's a lot God is teaching us in this new day. This is the day where the Spirit of the Lord, where God Almighty is restoring, amen, the ministry of the teaching priest. Remember, we cannot function and we cannot assume our functionality without an accuracy of what is expected of us. And like I said yesterday, this is the reason why the priest cannot assume the function of his, of his or her assignment. The priest cannot assume 
the, the function of his or assignment. The priest must be taught so that when the priest represent God before the people, amen, it is, it is, the message is clear. It is the heart of God. It's the mind of God. And the priesthood is not just about having some information about what God expects and demands of, of us. The priest must be able to hear the current mind of God. The priest must be able to know, amen, the speakings of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceed from the mouth of God. So even our prayer must be in alignment with the proceeding, amen, desire of God. So we pray, Father, may you lead us, guide us, bring us into the desire of your heart for this day. That we do not come with what we believe and think is our request. That we lay, let go and we lay down our own request and we wait on your spirit to show us, to grant us understanding, to grant us insight into what you desire for this brand new day. Because you have a plan for us. You have a plan just as you had a plan for us for yesterday and last week and last year. You have a plan for us for today, for tomorrow, for next week, for next, next, next month, for next year. You got a plan for us. Every day, the Bible says, yes, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the firmament alters your mystery day by day. Teach us how to pray. Daily, you are waking us. We ask that this morning once again that our prayer does not come from a place of presumption. That our prayer does not flow from the place of assumption. That our prayer does not come from the place of the, the things we have gathered from our environment, oh God. That our prayer is not the summation of what we feel, what we think, what we see going on around. Lord, that we can move to an elevated realm in your spirit and see truly what you are saying and what you are proclaiming and declaring and demanding for this new day so we can pray effectively. It is James that says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. We don't want to be like Peter and the company who have toiled all night. There's a lot of toiling in the place of prayer but very little result. Because we think that prayer is by might. We think that prayer is by power. We wait on you. We've come to the end of our own strength. Yes, we are the generation that have come to the end of their own strength. We've come to the end of ourselves. We've come to the end of religion. We've come to what men, yes, have shaped and patterned as the order of prayer. No, we're waiting on your spirit. It's a brand new day. Father, it's a brand new day. We've not been through this path before, so we wait on the priesthood of Melchizedek. To show us, to teach us. We wait on the priesthood that was in Judah. That not even Moses understood. We wait on the priesthood that David understood. That he was able to walk into your house. And take of the shoe bread. He ate it and also gave to his men. And yet he did not die. Yet no priest is allowed to enter into the, holies of, into the holy place. No person is allowed to enter into the holy place. Except they are from the order of the priesthood. And yet... There was a priesthood in David, only known to you alone. A priesthood of intimacy. 
you found in David a man whose heart is after you. This is what we are seeking for in this brand new day. That we undress ourselves from the garment of religion and the traditions of men, oh God. That we are able to see into the ways and the waves of your spirit. That we are able to come into dimensions and realms that no one has come to before. Except those who have seen you. Show us. Grant us. This grace. So that our prayer really can go forth and begin to prepare a people before you. For you. So that our prayer can begin to bring yes into finalization your intentions for the redemption of creation lord that our prayer will not just be like that oh god yes of, of the hidden who are into blabbing 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 and blabbing no we don't want to blab in your presence we don't want to continue to repeat words and say we're praying no we align our hearts we align our minds we align every aspect of our faculty to your speakings to your demand for this new day so that there can be speed and finality to the things we are declaring we wait on you holy spirit to teach us to guide us to lead us to instruct us we wait that this word becomes alive that we are not speaking dead words we are not just speaking mere words no but our words because they are merged oh god in unison with your demand our words can go forth and bring forth change and transformation so when we pray for the for nations, when we pray for communities, when we pray for family, when we pray and stand in the gap, yes, on behalf of our environment, we can literally begin to see changes. Because that is why you gave us prayer. You gave us prayer as an instrument to change condition, to change, to transform, to reform. Prayer is us coming into agreement with you. It's us coming into partnership with you. It's us coming into alignment with you. It's you using our voice because you're in our heart. You're using our voice. You're using our vocal cord to proclaim and to declare your will and to establish your intentions in the earth. Our Father, how we long to understand this dimension of prayer. And this is why we ask you to teach us how to pray. So we don't depend on the patterns and the standards of men. Teach us how to pray. Teach me how to pray for my children. Teach me how to pray for my disciples. Teach me how to pray, oh God, for my community. Teach me how to pray for your bride, the church, the ecclesia. Teach me how, yes, how to pray. The how is important. I need to know how to pray. Teach me so that I will move away from the prayers of the Pharisee. Pharisees could pray. The Sadducees pray. Religious men pray. People are praying. There are all kinds of camps on prayer. There are all kinds of institutions. People are built around prayer. But yet when we look around, things are still the same. There must be something that we're not doing right. And when we see a little result... We build a whole castle, a whole camp around it. We build a wall around it. God, lead us. Help us in this brand new day. This generation depends on, on the awakening of, a, of, a, of, of men and women who know how to, yes, access your presence. Who know how to, yes, access your heart. Jesus is a brand new day as you have told us. 
We know that, Lord, you're doing a new thing. But we have not fully received the blueprint of this new thing. This is why we are asking, we are requesting of you to touch our hearts, touch our conscience, touch our thoughts. Bring us into unison, bring us into understanding. Bring us into the place, yes, where our sense of intimacy is being nurtured. Because it's until we have intimacy with you that we can begin to know your heart. Teach us how to pray. Lead us into the place of prayer. Make our life an example. A river of prayer. Oh, if only we know how powerful the ministry of prayer is. We will see it as a business. We will treat it as a business. Men have moved their generation on their knees. Women have moved, yes, times and seasons on their knees. Lord, may our generation not be an exception. Awaken a people again. Burden us. Help us, Father, once again to go to the place of the repairing of the altar. Yes, this is one of the things you said to me. We need to go back to the place of the repairing of the altar. Because without the restoration of the altar, all that we are seeking to build and to restore is in vain. You only begin to transact with men from the place of the incense, the place of the fire, the place of sacrifice. This is why we say, Lord, we don't just want to offer you sacrifice. We want our life to be the sacrifice. Because that's what you demanded from Abraham. And that is what you gave. You gave your only begotten son as the, as the ultimate yes, sacrifice. When you are asking for sacrifice, you're not just asking for a team. You're asking for a people. Jesus. So may my life become a living sacrifice. A sacrifice that is offered. A sacrifice that is totally yielded unto you. Yielded unto you. And I, I know what this sacrifice means. It means my thoughts, my will, my desire, my intentions, my aspirations. All of them, oh God. My personality, everything that my life is and represents. You want it as a sacrifice unto you. You don't want just some part of me. You don't want almost all of me. You don't want 99.9 of me. You want everything. Everything. And this is what I bring to you this morning. All of me. All of me. And this is what he's desiring of you. You listening to me. Watch it. He wants all of you. So would you offer to him this morning. All of you. Because that is what we'll do. That's, that is what will bring a change. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, David cried, be accepted in your sight, O God. That's the submission of a man. Everything we, we are is captured in those two words. The words of my mouth and the meditation. Words we can hear. Meditation we can hear. We can see. But David says they must come into alignment. Because when your words and your meditation come into agreement, that is your life in expression. 
Our will is captured by what we meditate on. Our desire is known, yes, in the place of what we set our mind on. As a man thinks in his heart. As a person thinks in their heart. That's who they are. So Father, this morning, all of all of, all of us, all of me, I bring to you this morning. The prayer is not just some list that I'm throwing at you. No. That I've brought my life. There cannot be prayer without an altar. There cannot be an altar, yes, without wood. There can be, yes, an altar without fire. There can be wood, yes, there can be altar without sacrifice. Some people have built the best of altar. But they've not learned to lay on the altar. Lord, this morning we lay on the altar. <clears throat> we lay our life. We lay our life. I lay my desire. All of my desire, my aspirations, even the aspiration for ministry. You are the ministry. Ministry is not the first thing we do. It is first who we are before him. Ministry is an outflow of a life that has a standing before the Father. Ministry is an outflow of a life that has become one with the altar. Your pulpit should be your altar. Therefore, from that order, there should be a flow, a river flow. Uh, because when you entered the temple of Ezekiel that was never built, they told us how water began to flow from the altar. <laughs> oh, shalabahai. Water was flowing from the altar that Ezekiel saw. The altar of the temple he saw. Do you know that temple was never built? It was never meant to be built by man. It was a prototype of the heavenly order. You will never see that dimension of, of temple described by Ezekiel built by man. No. But that is the prototype of a life that Jesus is and represents. And that's what they are calling you an I. So that when you begin to engage such, such temple, as the water begins to flow, that water begins to drown you. That water begins to swallow you until you are no more. The water began, yes, from the feet, moving, yes, to the ankle. From the ankle then to the waist. From the waist then to the shoulder. Until the water carries you. This is prayer, friends. When you begin to pray and pray in accordance to the will of God, uh, they will begin to carry you. First you pray, you begin to pray, you think, well, you can handle it. Yes, because the water is still at the feet. You can still walk around. And as you continue in the place of prayer, that is why, you know, this few minutes prayer we do really cannot do it, cannot bring us into the place where indeed we can begin to take nations, where we can begin to, you know, you know, uh, uh, execute the judgment of God. Prayer must consume every part of your being like cancer will consume a person. 
They want to consume every part. That is why fire is required on the altar. You know what fire does? It consumes everything. By the time you go back to that altar, what you presented has been turned to ashes. What is left, hallelujah, is a smoke rising to the Father. It's a smoke. Your life becomes a smoke. No wonder they say those who are born of God are like the wind. You know, the wind and the smoke are one. The smoke goes in the direction of the wind. You are too heavy for God. You're too full of yourself. That's where there is pride in your heart, and that's where God does not answer the prayer of a proudful person. They have to burn you completely. Burn me, Lord. That's why in the, in the temple there is light, there is fire. Have you noticed that in the temple there are two kinds of light? There's the light that comes from the altar and there's the light that comes from the menorah. <laughs> God is a consuming fire. When you start to pray in alignment with the will of God, they start to consume your agenda. They start to consume your own request. They start to consume your own desire. They consume your will. They consume the fire of God will consume everything that is not of him, that is not of the reflection of his son. Didn't he say in the beginning, let us make man in our own image? When he begins to deal with you, he begins to consume everything that does not look like him. Ah, this is how we pray. When you pray, you say, God, consume me. Consume every part of me. Consume every desire in me that is not in alignment with you. Consume the lust in me. Yes, the lust of the flesh, consume it. Lust of the eyes, consume it. Pride of life, consume it. Consume me. Consume the dysfunctionality. Consume the brokenness in me. Consume, yes, that thing in me that makes me feel inferior, that makes me feel unable, incapable. Consume every false identity in me. Consume the image that, that Egypt has had me with. Many of us are still carrying the scar of Egypt. You know, that's the, that's, that is how you identify, you know, slaves. You scar them. You imprint upon their flesh. You are owned by the master. We know your master. You can't run away. Ah. When the fire of God begins to come, it burns that scar. You're a brand new man. You're a brand new woman. Consume. I don't know what to do. Every time I want to live holy, I find myself running back to this thing. Consume it with your fire. There is nothing more, 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 more passionate than the fire of God. There is no passion on earth that can stand the passion of the fire of God. He will run. He will chase after you until he wins you. That's what we, 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 we read in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's about 
is about um, you know a lover that is that is burning with passion <laughs> if you read the book of you know Ecclesiastes you'll be wondering or rather excuse me songs of Solomon songs of Solomon not Ecclesiastes songs of Solomon it's about passion it's about yes a man chasing a woman is about two lovers. Is your story and him? Solomon, I've seen it all. He came to the conclusion: all those physical, fleshy passion is nothing. Seek him. Seek his face. Seek his ways. There's nothing this world can offer to you. When you come to God, come with the desire to want to change. Come with a longing to want to be transformed. Don't waste your prayer looking for things that the world can give to you. Don't waste your prayer looking for things that money can buy. Don't waste your prayer seeking for clothing so you can impress people. Engage God and say, God, touch the core of my heart because I can assure you when God changes you from within, he will clothe you with his glory. They said because of that oil, the virgins love you. That's a result of somebody consumed in the place of his presence. When you are consumed in the place of the presence of God, you will attract virgins. Kind of mind will be thinking of something else. You've got to have a purified mind to know what virgins represent. The virgin will love you because of thy oil. It's not just about an anointing. No, the oil is not an anointing. The oil is a mark of separation unto one. When we say oil, you think of an anointing. It's not just about service. Is about sacredness. Did you hear me? The oil is not just about a service. It's about separation unto. She is mine. I've paid, yes, a diary. I've paid a diary. She belongs to me. He belongs to me. That's what it means. One anointed is one separated. That's where they are called priests. The priesthood is the order of them separated, sanctified, consecrated for a divine assignment. It's not about you proving something. No, it's about the world seeing something. If your life is still about proving to people you are yeah, no, you are still in the first outer court. You are still in the first day of this thing. There's a place you get to. You're no longer seeking. You're no longer you know looking for a, a platform to. No, no, no. You will attract. There will be an attraction. Have you ever met huh, an iron that is not attracted to a magnet? Have you seen one before? The stronger the magnet, the, the more powerful the pool. I said the more stronger the magnet, 
The iron cannot resist. It cannot resist. So why don't you stay in the place where you become a magnet for God? When somebody is rich in the world, they call them magnets. Magnet, a mugu, a magnet mugu. This guy is, is rich, is wealthy. They call them magnet. You are magnets. Everything, hallelujah, that, that reflects the issues of redemption is pulled. They, Hallelujah. You see, when they begin to change your orientation, your perspective and understanding of the ways of God, your prayer will change. Your prayer life will change. You will break the limitations and the boundaries that men have benchmarked prayer to. You will break it. Like that woman who broke the alabaster, you break it. You break that alabaster, what is on the inside, boom, consumes the room. Lord, bring us to the place where our life becomes the expression of a life of prayer. That prayer is just not what we do, it's what we are becoming. The prayer moves from what we just do to what we are becoming. Because in the place of prayer, they change us. If you are listening to me right now with a contrite heart, you are changing. You are changing. Because that's the purpose of this platform. That's the purpose of what we are declaring. To change you. But the change is not always something you see immediately. It starts from within. That's the kind of change the Father is looking for. A change that would drive you to a place. You know, when I go into my, into my toilet, you think you'd use toilet just to make poo-poo. When I go into my toilet, I'm going, because that seemed to be the only, you know, a, a secluded place. I don't want people outside hearing me. So I go into my toilet. Yes, I engage God and I engage the altar until I come out change. Even you, you will feel it. You will feel, you will, something happen. By the time you look at yourself in the mirror, you will be glowing, you will be glowing. You'll be seeing the stars of heaven. Because you've encountered heaven. You understand, friends? Don't be afraid of men. You only get to be afraid of men if you have if you don't have a prayer life. You only get to be afraid of people if you don't have an altar, a prayer altar. That's the only time you should be afraid. Have you noticed that David was never afraid of any, no matter who you are, no matter the giant you represent. He's not afraid of you. Because the Most High is his Father. Because he dwells in the secret place of the Most High. He abides under the shadow of the Almighty. If the book of Psalm were never written, we would, not, we would never have known the kind of person who David was. <laughs> you see 
The book of Psalms is a journal of a man who journeyed with God. <laughs> you get in this, friends. Is a journal of, of a man who journeyed with God. They're calling us to journey. Prayer is a journey. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him, who approaches him, what do we do when you start praying? You start to approach God. Prayer is the only vehicle given to us to approach God. Anyone who approaches him must believe that he exists. That he is. That he is alive and well. That he is involved over the affairs of men. That man do not have the final say. That the government of this world do not have the final say. That one day everyone will stand before him in judgment that he exists. But not only is he existing, but he is in charge. He's the one who appoints and demotes princes and kings. This must become an anchor that defines your sense of prayer lifestyle. So if you think you can misuse, judge people, take advantage of them, there is a judge that will judge you. He may not judge you today, he may not judge you tomorrow, but you will stand before him in judgment. If you think you can manipulate the things of God and get away with it, one day you will stand to give an account before him. Do you know that? No matter who you are, no matter what you have done, what you have built, what you know, people, the, 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 the song people you know, sing of you, one day you will stand and you will be judged in accordance to the principles and the values and the standard of his government. All the governments of this world, all the leaders of this world, the Obamas of this world, you understand? The Judge Bush of this world, yes. Everyone who have ruled and reigned and made decisions on behalf of people that were not done in accordance to the will of God or done in accordance to the intentions of God will all be we will all stand before his judgment throne. I'm just telling you what it means when they say you must believe that he is. They say from the days the father fell asleep, things have been the same. No, you lie. Things are not the same. That's why it's got men speaking on earth, guiding us and leading us, amen, into what we need to do so that we do not stand in judgment and in condemnation on that day. For without faith, you must see faith far beyond what the charismatic church defined faith to be. Faith is a grace, a gift given to approach the Father. He who must come to him must believe that he is. That he exists. And that he rewards those who what? Earnestly, 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 
David, David says, I will, I will wake up early in the morning. I will earnestly seek your face. I will seek you continually. There's a reward, amen, for continual pursuit of his ways. Oh, hallelujah. Those who earnestly seek him. So we ask him in this new day to reset our faith, to reboot our faith. <laughs> God, reset my faith, reboot my faith, so I can live in divine compliance to your will and purpose. Not my will, but your will be done. Help me to live a life patterned after your desire. Help me to live a life that honor you. Teach me, Jesus, how to pray. This is what Jesus taught us. Not my will. Not my will, but your will. Who is your? His Father. Lord, we seek your ways. We seek your will in all things. We seek your desire. Yesterday we looked at this scripture. We'll look at it again. Very important scripture in the place of prayer. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask. We just read in Hebrews, he who must come to God. Now we're looking at the next word. Next word. If you lack something, they say there's somebody you must ask. Let him ask God. They didn't say if you lack faith, if you lack wisdom, ask your government, ask your brother. They say let him ask God. Because wisdom is a spirit that comes from God. And what we ask from him, amen, we get the best. Let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. When we ask in accordance to the will of God, we, he hears us. This is the confidence we have. Why would you need to ask wisdom? Because wisdom is the guiding light. Wisdom is the guiding path. Wisdom is the most important thing in life. When we grow up with the knowledge of wisdom, of course not the wisdom of this world that comes to naught according to the scripture, but the wisdom that comes from above. That which is from above is above all. That wisdom, hallelujah, is personified in the person of Christ. Jesus has become unto us wisdom. When you look at Jesus, when you study the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, you're studying wisdom. That's why we say on this platform in our ministry, wisdom builds a house. Wisdom is God's divine pattern. It's God's divine architecture. Is how God designed life. In wisdom there is provision. In wisdom there is ability. In wisdom there is strength. Remember the scripture I was sharing with us. Was it a few days ago? Proverbs 
Proverbs 21, 22. Powerful. I've, I've now made this scripture one of my anchors. One who is wise can go up against the city of the mighty and pull down the stronghold in which they trust. One who is wise. Wow. That's what wisdom can do. Wisdom give, gives to us capability, ability, strategy, resource. That's why Jesus was the most effective leader that ever lived. That's why Jesus Christ of Nazareth was the most, the effective leader that ever lived. He functioned in his leadership to the point that he could relate with the with the with the lowest person you can ever think of. Actually, outward thing never touches ability to function. It was never limited. He never lacked resources. He taught us how to receive. He taught us how to wait. He taught us how to believe. He taught us how to engage. He taught us how to build. He taught us how to judge. He taught us how to think, how to reason. He taught us how to receive. He taught us how to honor. And he also taught us how to disrespect those who disrespect his heavenly father. Woe unto you, Pharisee, he said. One of, the, one of the things we saw that Jesus hated the most in, 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 the, in the earthly realities of life is hypocrisy. He literally cursed the Pharisee. Woe unto you, Pharisee. Because they were full of pretense. And you know, there's nothing that, that can deceive and bring destruction to people than pretend. When you pretend, you, you show a form of what you're not. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. People have built systems, values, <clears throat> on hypocrisy. And we call it church. And when you touch this thing, some people get angry with you, they get annoyed with you. And they still want to pray. God says he's not going to listen to the prayer of the wicked. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith. You just heard it again. Let him ask in faith. How do we ask in faith? You ask in faith by first trusting that God hears, listens, now, if you know God hears and listens, why then do you get yourself, you know, in a state where you start bothering, you start doubting after you have prayed? People pray, but they don't even believe in their own prayer. Not to talk of believing in the God they claim to be praying to, because after they pray, they still go and look for, hey, John, what, what do you think about this thing? Hey, Susan, what do you think about this thing? Tells us that you do not believe in God. 
You don't believe in his word. Because to believe is to trust his timing. Did you hear what I've just said? To believe is to trust in the timing of the one you believe. To believe and depend on somebody means you know that that person's amen, uh, 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 wisdom will bring to pass what you need. You cannot say you believe in God all right, and you're forever looking at when is it going to come? When is it going to turn? Then you don't believe. Because belief is not just, well, I'm waiting. Belief involves everything about your attitude, your character, your reactions. Everything must come into unison, into unity in your belief. Look at what the Bible says. He who believes will not what? Make haste. He who believes will not make haste. You will run ahead. If you believe that when you plant a seed, you will have crops. If you believe that, then you have to learn that there's something called waiting. Because while that seed is, is sown and buried, something is happening that you are not aware of. And in fact, if you now begin to go to try to disturb the process of what is happening, you would have aborted the whole process. The fact that you go back to check, is the seed there? Is the seed growing? You've destroyed the thing. That is the same way when it comes to the things of God. We go and pray and then we go back and check. God, did you really answer? Did you, are you, did you hear that prayer? No, leave it there. You can't lay on the altar of sacrifice and you still want to jump, jump out. <laughs> you lay on the altar and say, okay, I'm offering myself. And after a while, you say, no, I changed my mind. No, I'm not offering myself again. No, you have to wait for the fire to consume everything on the altar. Everything in life takes time and process. Lord, teach us how to pray. Let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith. With no doubting. Without doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven, tossed by the wind. He who doubts is like a what? A wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man or that woman suppose, think, assume, presume that he will receive anything from God. God used this scripture years ago to change my life. If you want to walk with God, you have to learn to trust him. What do I mean by that? To trust him means to trust in his timing. To trust in his method. Hello? To trust in God's timing. Trust in God's method. You trust, amen, yes. His strength, his ability. You trust his wisdom. 
You can ask God for something today and the next day things begin to work contrary to what you have asked for. What does that say to you? How you react will determine if indeed you trust God. You know you can ask God for a house and where you are living they come to amen, repossess the house. You see Many of us, we've got a wrong image of God that because I've asked God for something, I've believed God for something, therefore, nothing negative should, should happen to me because I have trusted God. I have committed my way. Oftentimes, it is the negative that happens. Does that mean that God is disempowered or cannot, you know, or is not going to respond to your prayer? No. You're judging God by the events of your life. That's why you are not moving. That's why you are not growing. You are judging God by the events of your life or around your life. You cannot limit God to an event. God does not respond to event. He responds to his intention and his purpose in your life. Oh, I hope this will change somebody's life this morning. Because in the wisdom of God, God needed you to be evicted out of the house. And maybe to a certain degree, to even bear the shame. Or else we won't have reference like Job. We won't have reference like Joseph. We won't have reference like Paul of Tarsus. We won't have reference like, like you know, uh, uh, Moses. All of them presume, I, God, I know you, you know me. Hence, this thing should not happen. Sorry, no, you got it wrong. That God is in your life does not mean that you are insulated from the problem of life. That you pray and you ask God and you fasted does not mean that you know, God, like a superman, would just fly in into that situation. Ah, my daughter prayed, my son prayed, we must protect. <laughs> like I told her some time back, there was no one that could pray like Daniel. His prayer did not stop God or prevent Nebuchadnezzar from throwing him in the fire. Can we begin to grow into this understanding of the sovereignty of God? So that we don't continue amen, to remain in one stage of understanding. We need to grow in, in our work with God. So that amen, when certain situations and issues begin to arise, we can have the backbone of faith. That's what we read amen, about the heroes of faith, about you know, the early church. Their orientation is completely different from how we look at and define, you know, spirituality, Christianity today. If those people were alive, if they, if, if they woke up from their grave and walk on the street and see what we call Christianity today, they will be crying, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it, and they will never believe that these people are supposed to be our brothers and sisters. Who taught you this? Who lied to you? Who gave you this, this wrong gospel? Read about the heroes of faith. Maybe I should read it. 
because I want your orientation to change. I want your understanding to change regarding the matters of faith. Because when, once you get this right, things begin to happen in your life, all right, that begins to defy the events of your life. Paul says, we may, we may have nothing yet, we are making men rich. We may be going through fire, but we are delivering people. Let me read some scriptures. Hebrews 11, 7. 7. Let's start from verse 7. By faith, Noah, when one, by faith, Noah, when one by the things not yet seen. Alright? Let me just do it. They were listening. But faith, no, I went one. He was one by things not yet seen. This guy's got faith, but his faith is connected to a prophetic dimension. That's why I keep saying, may God deliver you and I from the charismatic definition of faith. Are you seeing how they are linking faith to the prophetic? By faith, no, when one about things not yet seen, it does not materialize. So his faith was not defined and determined by event around him. Your faith is defined and determined by the construct of your life and your interaction and relationship with heaven. Sometimes when I'm sleeping, God just wake me up and begin to speak to me about something completely different from the reality, the realms around me. few days ago was the last week i was i was just looking at some things and god began to speak to me about the nation of america the you know and their president joe biden yes because you see when you begin to walk with god and begin to interact with certain dimensions of truth then they can begin to commit certain things into your hands there are things god will never show you because you're not interested your faith is so limited to, you know, events around you. I don't have money. I, I don't have this. Hey, my this or that. In the, you, are, you are already occupied by the wrong things. Maybe not wrong things. They're the realities of life. You need food. You need that. You see, when you begin to walk with God and you begin to see beyond your immediate need, God begins to take you and begin to show you because that's when God begins to see that you are really responsible. That you're responsible. Responsibility means that you can have need, real need, you know, strong needs and, or, and put that aside and begin to deal with other people's amen, need. You, you begin to move into other people's need. That's responsibility. That's maturity. That is coming of age. But if all your life, amen, your idea of spirituality is all about God, me, myself, and I, God, me, myself, and I, God, me, myself, and I, and then my uncle, my brother, you know, my family, you know, and my bro the daughter, and all, you can't see beyond your nose. God will meet those needs, but they will never bring you into the place of responsibility and maturity. Could be God, me, and my, and my ministry. But faith, no, I went one about things not yet seen. In holy fear, that's the things I've been trying to wake us up with. Say, there's a righteousness God is tearing us in this new day. There's a sense of sacredness they're demanding upon us 
in holy fear. You can't have holy fear if you are not seeking purity, if you are not seeking amen, a life that honor God, a life of intimacy. You cannot have holy fear. Not that in holy fear, not a dreadful fear. Not a dreadful fear, but holy, reverential fear. That's what every son should have for their father. My children should not be afraid of me because daddy is coming with a, with a, with a cane, with a stick. They should be afraid of me all right, because they accord me respect. That We can't do what we're doing here. Daddy's here. No. Get up. That's respect. You're with your friend. Daddy walks into the, into, into the living room. All right? Maybe with a guest. It is natural and normal that the kids get up and go to their room or go somewhere else to play. You can't be making noise. Daddy's there. Maybe with his friend. Or maybe not even with his friend. He's just there alone. But you carry on. You just carry on. We have liberty. That's the nonsense we have taught Christians today. That you can just bump into God's presence. You can do whatever you want to do. That amen, you don't need to respect him. That's why the church is stunted. That's why we are not growing. That's why you're not growing. That's why you take advantage. The fact that people amen, have taken advantage of the things of God, the fact that men of God have taken advantage of the church, the body of Christ, does not mean you should disrespect the one God called and set aside. You will be shooting yourself on the foot. Never bring somebody that God called and appointed. Listen, let me say this and I'll say it clearly. Never you equate yourself and say, well, he's a man of God. I'm also a woman of God. Oh, well, he's a... You don't want to do that. Because only the rod of Moses all dried. or All the leaders brought their rod. Only the rod of Moses budded. You know what that means? That thing carries life. God still spoke to me about that this morning. That rod, you think it's just a dry rod. That thing carries life. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You want to go with somebody who just have a staff but cannot use the rod. You're going to miss God. Holy fear. We need it. God is restoring it back to earth. He's restoring it back to the church. Holy fear. Holy fear is what made men in their days do the kind of things. You, you will read, you will hear about the revival. You will hear about you know, how God moved in the nation. You will hear about how the presence of God came. Some people pay the price. That thing didn't come cheaply. That thing did not come cheaply. Men returned to the ancient paths. Men found the sacred order. Men had returned back to the divine pattern. And they began to engage themselves and their life. In the midst of perversion and wickedness. And people were marrying, giving themselves to marry. There's a man by the name Noah. He was tracking God in the place of prayer. You see, prayer is not a multitude thing. They say, when you want to pray, do what? Go into your closet. Go into your closet. Because prayer is between you and him. You are transacting business with him. 
Then the one who see what you do in the secret place will aha uh-huh, will reward you openly, openly. Everybody people want the open ministry, but they have no secret life, they have no prayer life, they have no intimacy with God. That's why I said here. Prayer is involved. Prayer involves nurturing and maintaining a close intimacy with your heavenly Father. Listen, this is the ultimate. Prayer involves not you nurture it. Some of us are already there, but you've got to nurture it. The day you don't feel like nurture it, you have to cry out to God and say, "God, help me today. Help me. I want to feel. I want to know." I'm not asking about goose pimples. No, no, no. It's an assurance. And how do you know that assurance when your heart is journeying toward Zion? When you begin to see that you don't want to climb the hill of the Lord, you don't want to move to Zion. Ah, sin lieth at your door. You've got to know how to push that thing away. Yes. You know what I said? When you begin to feel that today, uh, I don't feel like my heart is not, you know, uh, I, I, listen, you, you can be busy. You can be involved. Yes, you can be involved with so many things. But your heart is towards Zion. Your window is open. Amen. Yes, like Daniel. Towards, yes, Jerusalem. But when you begin to forget that I'm in Babylon. Let's do what they do in Babylon. It's a dangerous place to be. It's a dangerous place to be. To be captured by the event around you. To such a degree all right, that that event begins to shape the inner condition of your relationship. It's a dangerous place to be. And that's me. I will never allow you, watching me, no matter who you are. I will never allow you to tamper with that dimension. Because if that thing is taken from me, if that thing is clouded, how can I hear? My, I'm done. I'm finished. So I protect that thing. I protect it. I guard it with my life. Not even my children can touch that dimension. You've got to know what is sacred to you. What is sacred to you? If you have no sense of sacredness, then you have no, you know, no, 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 no reason to be asking God for authority and power. What would you be doing with it? Because if they give it to you, you will abuse it. You will throw it away. That's what we see today in the body of Christ. Men who have authority and power, but look at their life. No sacredness. It's all loose. So we use fig leaf to cover up. No, I don't want fig leaf. I want the glory. Cover me, Lord, with your glory. When I don't feel the presence of, of, of his glory around me, I'm naked. I feel naked. I feel naked. You have to have a sense of sacredness. It's there. It's covering you. It's that covering that gives you boldness. When you see Ramaphosa, you say, Good day, Mr. President. You will have confidence and boldness. You will say what you need to say without fear or any ambiguity. You will stand before any judge. You will stand before any human being. They say, oh, this is powerful. No, no, America. You will stand. You will proclaim the word. Have you seen some, some, some prophet? The way, I mean, this lady called Celestia. I don't know if many of you watch. You see the way she speaks. You will know that hey, all of those things is cooked up in the place of prayer. This is a woman that has been battered in prayer. So when she said, Dossier the Lord, there's no fear. You can only kill the flesh. 
You can't take our soul. You can't take our spirit. That is what it means to transact business with God. In holy fear. You can't even touch the dimension of ministry. Now you want to talk about ministry gift. Without holy fear. God is calling you and I, this generation of the body, back to the place of reverential holy fear. Man of God, you zip up. Woman of God, you dress well. Stop enticing the people to your life. Stop causing the bride of Christ to fall. It's not your right to dress the way you want to dress. You dress the way God, hallelujah, will have you dressed because that way will honor God and will also edify the body. It's not your right. You don't have a right. The only right we have is the right that Jesus Christ gave to us. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. In holy fear, let me finish. Hebrews 11. We're still dealing with the issues of faith in the place of prayer. That's what we've been dealing with for the past few days. But faith, no. When one about the things yet not seen. In holy faith, start building. They say something is coming. He went into action. He started building an act to save his family by his faith. By his faith. Not the pastor's faith. Not the bishop's faith. Not the mama's faith. Not the papa's faith. Not the God knows what. Not the archbishop's faith. Not the apostle's faith. By his faith. Faith is a personal thing you have to develop in the place of intimacy and interaction with heaven. By his faith, he condemned the world. I used to, I used to love to preach on this years ago. Noah lived a life you see, faith is a standard of spiritual lifestyle. Noah lived a dimension of a lifestyle for his generation that made God to judge that generation. In other words, God says, if Noah can do this thing, can live in this kind of a life, and you guys refuse to come into this dimension, you are judged. God never judges a generation until they find one or two or three or four all right, that matches his requirement, his standard. So this is not about everybody. No, no, you know, no. God says, Abraham, if I can find five, ten in the land, for ten sake, I will not destroy the land of Sodom. So God says, I will even overlook, bypass, you understand, the general perverted, you know, order of the day. But if I can find ten people in the land who choose to live for me, who choose to work for me, those are the people we are looking for. Those are the people we are calling for. The remnants, those are the ones we are seeking for in this glorious day. We are not seeking for everybody to join us, no. The few through five, six, seven people who are joining us who say this is what we want to commit our life to. We will change the world. We will change South Africa. We will change Nigeria. We will change Ghana. We will change America. We will change Australia. We will change Cote d'Ivoire. We will change Liberia. We will change Malawi. We will change Alia, Burkina Faso for God. Do you understand? Imagine you start training, you know, people following you, people in your church. You start training them to understand that their prayer life is not God do it for me, God do it for me. You raise their prayer life to a dimension where their life become an incense, a smoke, 
that can begin to permeate. You know, smoke, smoke has no boundary. <laughs> smoke has no boundary. You can't say, well, smoke is burning in that house. Please stay in that house. Don't come to my house. There's nothing like that. It's like air. They have no boundary. Ah, oh, come on. I pray you understand this thing. We have no boundary. I will flow into your realm, into your house. The kingdom of God will come near you and start to change and make demand. That's why they gave us this thing. That's why the greatest thing that has happened to humanity in this generation is the social media platform. Because with this, you can enter into people's domain without, you know, without you physically going there. Come on. You don't need to pay all the amount people used to pay back in those days to go to, you know, uh, uh, TV stations. No, you can just have a camera and a, and a microphone, or right? maybe in a computer before you, boom, you blast into the nation. Wow. That is why this generation will be judged severely because God has given to you and I everything that we need to do the job. No, I don't have time. You don't have time. Okay, wait. Hallelujah. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that is in the keeping of the faith. By faith, Abraham called to go to a place. Called to go to a place. I want you to see the pattern. By faith, Abraham called to go to a place he would later receive. Noah, alright, he was one of things yet not seen. Abraham, alright, by faith, when he was called to go to a place, he would later receive. No map. There's no signboard. There's no GPS. <laughs> when called to go to a place, he would later receive as an inheritance. Obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going. Arrest my case. Abraham, where are you going? We're going. Where are you going? Where, where are you going? Where we're going? Where? <laughs> well, the Lord is leading us. <laughs> oh, in our day, we'll call it foolishness. But it's in the foolishness of men that the wisdom of God is revealed. Let me round up. Father, we are the generation of them seeking your face. You've brought us to the place of faith and awareness. You're calling us to the place of prayer. You're instructing us how to pray. Now we are learning what prayer is and what prayer is not. We want to move from the kindergarten understanding of this instrument. We want to come to maturity. And so we understand that we have to present ourselves. And as we present ourselves, you walk on that person, that instrument. You walk because when we present, you don't just use. You make sure that you prepare that person to align to what you want to do. It's a good thing that we present ourselves. But we know it's going to go beyond that. And so we ask, oh God, that you grant us strength, 
that as we present ourselves, that the distractions of the world, the need around us, the pool, the gravitations, the gravitational pools of the need and the people and the event around us will not distract us from what you are saying, from what you are declaring and what you are requiring of us. So help us to see beyond needs because needs will not really satisfy our soul. No, it's in fulfilling your heart desire that really, that truly will satisfy us. So while you are meeting our needs, God, may we not be satisfied in just our need. We want to meet your need because that is the true purpose of prayer. You gave us prayer so we can reach you that through that connection you can use us to meet a need of yours on earth. The scripture tells us that creation is in a state of groaning waiting for the appearance of those who are bearers of the nature of the son of God. Ah, Can we hear can we hear this cry? Can we see this need? Help us, Father. Help us to know that this is beyond just having some nice things that people can look at us and respect us for. May we feel the burdens of your heart. May we feel the cry of your heart. The cry of the nations. Send us forth. Father, we ask you, bring us to the nature of Noah, that while it was one of the things not yet, not yet seen in his holy fear, in his reverential fear, in the acknowledgement of knowing that you are there, just like Joseph, it was the reverential fear of God in the life of Joseph that made him refuse the desire of Patiphar's wife. May I learn to see you all around me. Even when I feel alone, when I feel lonely, may I know that I'm, I'm never alone, that you are there. That your word will not fail, that you never break your promise. You say, Lo, I am with you. You never say, you never give a condition of where you will be with us. You say, I am with you, Lo till the end of the age so we can be in prison you are there our feet can be hanging on the hospital bed you are there <laughs> it, was, it was David who said where can I run from your presence he said if I go and make my, my house on, on the cleft of the rock I am there you are there and if I decide to go hide under the ocean you are there you're there you're always there you're always there you feel all things there is no place that men are breathing on earth today that you're not there as long as men can breathe as long as there's oxygen there you're there so help us deliver us from loneliness, from fear that we are alone. Because it's that fear of being alone that makes us to succumb and bow 
to the presence of men, to the authorities of men, to the compromises of men, because we are not sure that you're there. Imagine Goliath, or rather David standing before Goliath without the assurance of the presence of God. Just imagine. David is a mean smith. You <laughs> see, David was too assured. David was too assured of his presence. He knew who told him to go to the stream. He knew who told him to strip himself from the armory of Saul. Ah. You see, your problem and mine is that we are not sure. We are not 100% sure. And certainty is not of the mind. Certainty is of the spirit. And that's why one of the scriptures I wanted to share with you this morning, I couldn't share it. He said, guard your heart with all diligence. Proverbs 4. For out of it flows the issues of life. <laughs> That was my main, main message this morning, but I never taught, I never had the time to touch that scripture. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. I'm not even sure if I have it here. When your heart is occupied by other things than God. You will be fearful. They say because from that order of your heart flows, flows, flows out. The, some translation says the springs of life. But I like the translation that says issues of life. Life. Life is not about your day-to-day activity. No. Issues of life. The life of God. is the life of God that is flowing out of you that grants you, if you will, the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding to deal with the issues around you. If life is not flowing out of you, what, how do you solve the problem of life? How do you deal with the issues of life? So they say, guard it with all diligence. You see? You see, that's why some of us, I mean, I've had people who have become my enemy because I chose to stand my ground regarding certain kingdom values. It doesn't really bother me. You know, because at the end of the day, I'm not accountable to you. As much as I understand accountability within the body, but I'm not accountable to you, man of God. I'm not accountable to you, woman of God. I'm accounted to him first. Because I want my life to become, amen, yes, the outflow of the springs of life. When people come into my domain, I want them to be able to drink from that river of life, from that spring of life, from that, yes, fountain of life. It's not more of what you claim to know. Is how that thing has been translated to life such that it can transform people. You see, that's ministry. That's ministry. 
guard your heart guard you guard your heart against agenda you guard your heart against pride you guard your heart against lust you guard your heart against mammon you guard your heart yes against opinions of men particularly men that are wayward you guard your heart against idolatry what does that mean self-worship self-elevation the elevation of men the worship of men in the name of honor and respect you've elevated certain people more than God certain people have place in your heart certain people have more respect in your heart than God guard your heart you have to pinpoint the areas you need to guard against you have to pinpoint it put it down write it down place it somewhere so people can see these are the things I'm guarding my heart against don't generalize it you know those issues in your heart in your life that you need to deal with guard your heart against them if you know that you have a potential amen, to be swept away by a lot of money begin to talk to God about it before you begin to ask God for a financial breakthrough because when they give you money, that thing will be the first thing to take you away from him. Don't be afraid. It's between you and him. Guard your heart against anything that can occupy the place of Christ in your heart. Cry out to him. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Save me from myself. Hallelujah. We honor you, Father, this day. Oh, once again, you've taught us in the school of prayer with Christ. Show us, lead us, inform us, equip us so we can be transformed. So we can then become agents of reformation and transformation. So when we walk into a place, even without us opening our mouth, the fragrance of your oil can fill the room and compel people to bow to the authority of your kingdom. What a life! That you and I carry a fragrance that is given in the place of prayer oh come on you can change an atmosphere just by your presence because you brought amen the presence of him we bless you Lord teach us how to pray teach us how to love you teach us your ways Teach us your truth. Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Father, we just want to thank you again this morning for our dear sister Priscilla that you just miraculously healed yesterday. Miraculously. We appreciate you for our life. We thank you for what you have been doing in our life. Yes. We do not despise the days of little beginning. 
I could still remember, I think it was about two years ago that I met with her, she met with me. And she has been in search, in quest for the ways of God, for the will of God to be established in her life in Zimbabwe. I thank you, O God, that what the enemy meant to be evil, you turned it around for our good. So Lord, as your church, as your body, we thank you. We celebrate, yes, the healing, the miracle, yes, the things that you did. We thank you, O God, that no weapon of the enemy formed or fashioned against her will stand. Lord, we cover her with your glory and presence in Zimbabwe. We declare in the name of Jesus that your spirit will continue to walk in our life and through our life. That our life will continue to be a radiance. Amazingly, it was the daughter that sent me a message. Friends, listen to this. The daughter of this sister I'm talking about was the one that sent me a message. That tells me a lot. She, she sent me a WhatsApp. She said, my mother is sick. Uh, elder, please, can you pray for my mother? I'm like, okay, I will. And I did. But I didn't know, you know how serious the thing was. For, for, to have, for, when I was speaking to this lady yesterday, she said, it was an idea. May God give us such idea that you know, your daughter can know who to call when there is trouble. Wow. Can we build such value system in our, in our daughter, in our children? Because the daughter can see that this woman has been tracking this man. That she can see that this man called Elder plays a role in the life of my mother. So, so in times of trouble, she, she knew who to call. My word. So Father, we thank you for Ruth's life. That as she grows also, she will always know that she will need to call God, Yahweh. That you are ever there. That your plan and your purpose for their life will not be aborted by the counsels of darkness. But rather you continue to build them. That life will continue to be a model to her daughter and to everyone around her too a mother, everyone around them until they are totally captured in the glory of a testimony. That they won't say, look at, look at that man she's following. The man have no, 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 no. No, we've raised a standard through the life of ordinary people. We raise a standard. We thank you, Father. We honor you. We bless you for what you have done in our life. Thank you, Father, for what is ahead of her. Thank you, Father, for the journeys ahead of her. Thank you, Father, for your intentions for her life. Thank you, Father, for the passion. I mean, this lady reads. She reads Christian material like never before. All my material, she's almost, you know, listening to all the messages, all the books. She's read everything. Still searching, still seeking. That's what we're looking for. That is what God is seeking for. People want to go all the way. When you find the truth, you want you go, you go in. That's what I've been talking about today. You lay on the altar. You don't jump. You don't jump up. You say, God, I want everything that is of the flesh die. So we thank you for our life. We pray for our corporately as your body, as a church. Yes, across the nation, we declare in the name of Jesus, Priscilla, it is well with your soul. 
every arrow of the enemy. We neutralize them. We declare you are a testimony, not just to your family, not just to Zimbabwe, not just to the continent of Africa, but to the entire globe. Father, we thank you. Oh, hallelujah. We glorify your name. We honor you, God. We bless you. Thank you, Father, for men and women all across that you're touching this morning. People, ordinary people, yes, that you're doing extraordinary things through their life. We honor you. We thank you, Lord, for the life of my dear sister, uh, 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 Tina. We bless our God. Yes, we thank you for your wisdom and grace that, yes, you are releasing into our life as she steps into this new season of our life with this new initiative, yes, uh, of starting our own coaching academy. We thank you. We bless her. We declare your will shall be fulfilled. Thank you in the name of Jesus for these people. We thank you for so many out there. We honor your name. We bless you, God, for what you're doing in their life. We praise you, oh God, that you continue to perfect your will in their life. At least you've placed this too in my heart. And I've prayed for them. And I will not make it religious to start praying for other people. No, we'll stop here. Father, we thank you. We honor you. We bless your name. Thank you, Father, for the things you've done. Thank you for your will, your purposes, your desire, your counsel that is established in our life. We declare this day we rise from our grave. We rise from the grave and we turn. We remove the grave cloth. We enter into a day of resurrection. We live again because you breathe life into us. Thank you, Father, that this day nothing will stop or hinder us. We will fulfill your prophetic demand and intention. Wherever we are, in South Africa, outside South Africa, we succeed, we excel, we prosper. Yes, we are enriched. We go forth from glory to glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's rejoice before the Lord. We celebrate you, Yahweh. We glorify you. Thank you for your kingdom. Thank you so very much, everyone. Thank you for joining us this morning. Really, really appreciate what God, amen, has done. May wisdom continue to build your house. May you continue to respond to the voice of God, to the demand of God. Have yourself a wonderful and a prosperous day. Please do not forget to be a blessing to us in case the Lord has touched your heart, all right, with these messages that we've been declaring. If you really want to be a blessing to our ministry, please, you have every uh, our right to do that. We're not going to stop you. We need all amen, the, the, the support. Please continue to do that. God bless you. I'll see you again, hopefully, tomorrow or maybe even later today. Bye-bye.